SMQBs, this is episode 139. Brian Pope from Dallas. Give us your number. I think I know what it's going to be. <laughs> number one, baby. <laughs> First World Series title for the Texas franchise going back to the Washington Senators of 1961. Been in Texas for 52 years, came in. 1972. All right. Welcome to the club. Yes. Rooster from Richmond. What do you got? Six. The number of points the New York football giants scored against a team that was so bad that just days before the game, it fired its head coach and general manager. Maybe the new guy's a great coach. Maybe the new guy's a great coach. He just happens to be a former giant. That helps. Helps in Philly. Yeah, that hurts, right? Cool. I have two, 362 and 470. There have been 362 passes against the Philadelphia Eagles this year, far and away the number one uh, most pass team against because nobody can run against them. And yet here we are, eight and one. And 470, a new record showing up in Canton for the most passing yards for a rookie in NFL history by CJ Stroud, which will lead to my apology to all our Ohio state fans out there. When we crush Ohio state, cause they never produce an NFL quarterback. They have produced one. Yep. They've yeah. produced an elite one. All right. All right. My number 97. That's the number of days until pitchers and catchers report <laughs> right around the corner. Thank God. Uh, Milk also wanted to say that his number is one. The the Buccaneers are the first time team to ever give up a field goal to a running back. Congrats <laughs> to the Buccaneers. <laughs> it seemed like the whole thing happened in slow motion, too. I don't know. It was very bizarre. It was very bizarre. So, all right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, NFL Week 9. Uh, who's Who wants to jump in here with what's going on? I mean, game of the week, House. You were there. Yeah, I mean, I'll, if 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 Purdy's healthy and they get Debo back, okay, maybe the Niners are fully back in the mix. But otherwise, I'm pretty sure these are the teams to beat in the NFC. Um, it oh. was it's sorry, but it was a, it was a bruising battle that was decided really by. I'm sorry. I mean, Dak makes bonehead decisions. Dallas quarterbacks make some bonehead decisions at the end of games. And I think 25, 25 out of 32, maybe higher number of quarterbacks do not step out of bounds when they're running in for a two-point conversion. And if he scores on that two-point conversion, then they're making a field goal to send it into overtime. They don't have to go for the end zone you know, from 21, 26 yards away. Um, I thought it was a flag happy game. I thought the officials let that game get a little out of control. Um, you know, both, both sides, both sides. I, we've said on here, I don't know how many times in the NFL, you could call a flag on every play. If you want, 
You really could. Certainly on some offensive holding, some kind of motion penalty. But I think in the NFL, defensive holding has gotten out of control. I mean, when just absolutely doesn't affect the play whatsoever. How about the the play where some defensive back kind of just like with his finger and thumb held held the towel of one of the receivers for a second? It didn't even slow the guy down. Well, you can slow him down by holding the towel. Yeah, but this didn't. This didn't. Didn't even affect the play. It didn't really. And that one was a little bit more blatant because it was basically taking off his undershirt. But but a lot of these defensive holding, it's on the opposite side of the field where the play's not even happening. Yeah. The quarterback's in the grasp. It it I mean, it is a big reward to the offense to get first down, no matter what is the distance on that previous down. I think at a minimum they should say. Defensive holding, five yards, repeat the down, or 10 yards, make it equal to the offensive penalty. I, what do you guys think, at least as to on, on what should be the result of a defensive holding? You make it like college. Well, I get rid of yeah. the automatic first down, right? Just make it 10 yards like offensive holding. Yeah, which, which in most cases is going to result in a first down. And, and so many of these defensive pass interference what they really are is illegal touching beyond five yards they've got they got that wrong a whole bunch of games this weekend but in any case look Jalen Hurts is a winner we've all been circulating the stats about playing against the NFL's top teams about how he uh does to be clear clear, when you say we've all been circulating this we've all read the stats that house circulated you mean you have circulated the stats multiple (laughs) times i did not circulate that stat Uh, i did not circulate this one this was circulated by another member of the smq oh that's right right. oh you're right pope did it the The cowboys apologist (laughs) oh yeah i just i just feel like when dallas teams have something else to crow about I'm sure most of Metropolitan Dallas would have taken, I'll trade a Super Bowl. I mean, excuse me, I'll trade a World Series for a loss to the Eagles. I think most would say that. So it's at least a little easier to take it this week. But I, 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 I still think it's so annoying how nice you two are being to each other. Like, uh, I don't you guys don't have a Look at my picture. Dak's an idiot. You know, you make you that, that was that was when he tried to helicopter into the end zone. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned how Dallas Cowboys just have a history of screwing up at the end of games like that. That that play where he ran out of bounds reminded me of the famous Romo extra point hold. Oh yeah, yeah. against the Giants. It was like there's no way to lose that game unless you flub the extra point. Dak has done it in the playoffs. Dak has done it in other late games. Uh, there's a stat that is going around on social media that I forget what exactly is the measure, but basically in late game performance, Jalen Hurts is first and Dak is last. Over the last like couple years, quarterback, let me, um, quarterback let me rating. Say, let me say quarterback rating in the fourth oh. quarter, something like that. Because you you started out by saying, unless Purdy gets healthy, maybe the Niners. But these are the two teams, and I am going to tell you you're wrong about that. And the reason you're wrong is not that the Eagles aren't the best team, right? It's that as long as the Cowboys are led by Dak and Mike McCarthy, they will not be a threat a serious threat to anyone. They will find a way to shoot themselves in the foot. They will find a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. They will fuck it up. Okay. Somehow. But by, Period. 
a few weeks ago, you had this brilliant thing on here about looking ahead to watching games and a whole bunch of meh. You know, it was a really good, yeah, good yeah, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, this was a great game. Okay, no, no, no. Have you seen the NFC lately and, like, who would be in the playoff picture right now? I mean, that is capital yeah. M-E-H, meh. Yeah. You're going yeah. you're, you're to put in the Falcons, the Vikings, the Saints, Saints. the yeah, yesterday's Seahawks. Oh. I mean, even, I think I think even the Dallas team can take care of all of those. It's the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Cowboys that I think are a distant difference. I will say this. I mean – there's no stopping Micah Parsons. It doesn't matter if you put two people on him, three people on him. Doesn't matter if he's in the middle line, the end of the line. Doesn't matter if it's a pass play, if it's a running play. I've never seen a ball hawk a guy get to the ball since like literally like I. It's yeah. it says a lot, but since like LT, this guy is crazy. The other thing that impressed CD me, CD Lamb has turned it up a notch too. That's why I was going to say CD Lamb. Clearly, he's now a reliable number one. He's now reliable number one. He was not last year. But but they've found their rhythm between the two of them. And somehow Dallas has a way every couple of years of developing like a no-name tight end. And the Ferguson Jake kid Ferguson. can play. Yeah. Yeah. He can play. Definitely. All I that said, I told you that when I drafted him in fantasy. I think it's He's Philadelphia good. by a mile, the Niners by a mile over Dallas, then. And then a, a bunch of other teams. I, but how what's I, I have a hard why time. have the Niners lost three straight? What's going on there? And not look good at all. Purdy concussion. Well, Purdy concussion injuries. counts for two of them. And yeah. Debo being out counts for two of them. Yeah. Injuries. I mean, if well, they I think Trent healthy, Williams is hurt too, right? Yes. And and they did make a big acquisition, arguably. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah. But yeah. you know, their defense wasn't good. They went out and 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 traded for Chase Young. Uh we'll see. You know, we'll see how that works out for them. Um you know, could rejuvenate his career. He could also just be, you know, I a mean, lot of people in D.C. are throwing him under the bus now saying he was undisciplined. And, and you know, the, it, I, I kind of hate that stuff. Like when they trade someone that all of a sudden these leaks come out, you know, ah, we never liked him here anyway. Right. That kind of stuff. Like, you know, leave the kid alone. You traded him. Best of luck to him. Uh, you know, he's playing right. opposite one of his college teammates now. Uh, maybe he makes a big difference for the Niners, but they, they got to get healthy is the biggest thing. I mean, they're yeah. coming off a bye, and they're at Jacksonville. Not exactly an easy task coming off the bye. Right. I've been saying so all year. And, then, and then they play Philly shortly thereafter. I've been saying great teams find a way to win when they're not playing well. And right now, I really think the Eagles are the only team fitting that description. The The Cowboys, the Niners, the Bills, they're good teams for sure, but they are not finding a way to win the games they need to win. But when you look at the AFC then, so so just playing off of House's post, you know, or, or statement about the NFC, which I agree with, when you look at the at the AFC, I mean, I don't really know what to make of that. I mean, the, the Chiefs, I think, are are miles above everybody else. And if I look at it, the next best team is Cincinnati now. Yep. And right. the Ravens, the Ravens, seventy-two. You Ravens. never know what you're going to get with them. Yeah, though. but the last two weeks is a pretty good trend for them. Yeah, the the Ravens' defense is suffocating. They can overcome Lamar's inconsistency because now their defense is total shutdown. I I am I really want to see the next Ravens, Bengals, the next Ravens, Chiefs. Uh, 
I want to see those matchups to really hey, gauge. Yeah. The they they held hey, the you got, Seahawks you got the to three points and scored 37 on them. I mean, the Seahawks are no slouch. They may not, they may not be a consistent team, but they're no slouch. They they yeah, were so far you... ahead of the Seahawks so soon that Kenny Walker had like 15 yards rushing in that game because the Seahawks had a pass. Are you are you bitter about so that? A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> the the next two games though for the Ravens are Browns and then Bengals. So we're gonna find yeah. out a lot about them. We're, we're gonna find out a lot. Yeah. Uh, actually, all three of those teams. In the next Jacksonville's three a nice little team. The Dolphins are a nice little team at this point. No, they're not. They're, I mean, yeah, that's what they are. They're a nice little team. That's it. Yeah, you against know, mediocrity, just, they kick ass. Right. That's 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 my point. I mean, that's what I, I'm saying is, you know, they're not they're not scary. They're not a scary team. Here's an interesting. I mean, it's, story. It's, it's, but it's Kansas City. They had they had a horrible second half. They were lucky to win that game. They did not play well in the second half. But, you Next, know, Miami didn't play well in the first win. half. They found a but way to win against, fame, a, against a high-powered offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are going to say the Dolphins are back because the next five weeks they go Raiders, Jets, Commanders, Titans, and Jets. Yeah. Uh, and everybody's going to say, oh, but then Mediocrity. Let's, see, let's see how they finish against Cowboys, Ravens, and Bills. Then we'll right. see whether the Finns are, are for real. I, I just don't think they are. I just – I do not think they are. And uh, I think they've run the the bubble screen – 10,000 too many times. Every team knows it's coming now to Tyreek. And yeah. and and Waddles got health issues and I think the yeah. most exciting team to watch which will not be in the playoffs but the way the Texans are building that team on sure offense yeah. and defense is really really fun. Like really fun to watch that team develop. I agree. I, agree. I thoroughly enjoyed their their showing yesterday. Yes. You sure have. <laughs> but who did you I have? He had 51, 51 fantasy points, points from CJ Stroud. Oh, wow. And you the started think that The only thing that kept yeah. me partially in the game was I had Tank Dell as my add-on wide receiver. That and your kicker up had like waivers. 18 points. Whoever your kicker was had <laughs> Wait, like 18 did, points. Did the four of us have intramural this week? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Is Our game's game still over? going on. No, we have, I have Justin Herbert tonight. How many Maybe. points you need? 32. 32. All right. Well, House, you got the Chargers. You need th- you need 25. That's doable. Happened. It's very, very unlikely. Uh, I forget who it was this year that beat me when they had like a gaz- – was it you, Rooster? Who beat me when they had a gazillion defense points on the last – somebody did this no. year. But anyway. I anyway, think I, I did. Yes. That's what I it was. I think it was me. Here's, here's it was what I think Seattle. is kind of a the kind Texans of an interesting are not story. out of the playoff picture yet, guys. Yeah. It, yeah, they're four and four. Here's an yeah. interesting story going into week 10. Seems like this is becoming the year of the rookie quarterback. I mean, uh, I read something today where it, because of Danny Dimes' injury, we're probably going to have to start Tommy Donato again. DeVito? DeVito, whatever the hell De his name is. Danny? Danny. Danny Tom, I think it's DeVito. Tommy DeVito. DeVito. He will be the tenth rookie quarterback to start a game this year, which is a record for the wow. NFL. And, and here's my here's my question: if you if you were the if you're the Panthers GM and you get a reset, in what order are you ranking the rookie quarterbacks right now? Like, who do you have as top three? Obviously, C.J. Stroud's number one, right? He's got C.J. Stroud right is there. number right one right now. Um. You go Richardson second now after 
the year he now, had before he got hurt? The best, the best ability is availability. Okay, how yeah. about Will Levis? So, don't know I'm yet. I'm not going to put him over Bryce yet. It's way too early. He's a prototypical quarterback with a big gun for an arm. He looks like a future John Elway or or, oh, or Josh come Allen. On. Come on, of, he's in terms of game. arm strength. It's fairly in terms aggressive. Of arm strength. Uh, okay. I think I just think Bryce Young is too small and frail and doesn't. I, I would I would put him in maybe the top four, but not top three of the rookie quarterbacks. I think it's too early to tell. It's, you get yeah, you get no help. I mean, it's just but it's, one Samuel Howell. He's not a rookie. I know. I'll take him. <laughs> uh, anyway, what else did you guys want to talk about in the NFL? You had something else you wanted to talk about. Uh yeah, I, I mean the referees. Look, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this brotherly uh brotherly, brotherly shove, shove thing. I mean you know, we, it, it's it's not a new story. People are are sort of like they don't know what to say about it. Every you know, half the league wants to ban it. Well, th- there's like 31 teams that want to ban it, and one team that wants to keep it. Um, I think everybody knows what we're talking about. I mean, it, it's the Eagles are unstoppable on one yard when they need to get a yard, unless they fumble. Uh, it's almost two yards at this point where they just run a QB sneak, basically, and they get a push from behind. And, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's only controversial, I think, because it's unstoppable and no one else can do it. I I don't even think it's about the push. You don't think it is? I watched it pretty carefully yesterday. Jalen Hurts is bigger, stronger, and taller than most quarterbacks. And he's getting that yard or two with his leg strength. I so don't think he needs to be pushed. I don't think there's anyone who could push him harder than he can run. You guys didn't answer my question earlier because it's surprising. Who do you think is taller, D- Jalen or Dak? Jalen. Jalen. Nope. nope. Dak's 6'2", Jalen's 6'1". Well, I don't know why. No way, there's no way Dak is squatting 600 plus. No, no, times. I know. But it, it's it's Jalen has got some uh, combination of strength and, you know, maybe because he's so he's lower to the ground, he's able to to push off, but he he has got it down. Nobody else does. I told you though, the Giants have run it three times and they wound up hurting two or three players, including their starting center the first time and have the second time they tried to run it, they couldn't get the playoff because Evan Neal jumped off sides. And the third time they lost yards. I mean, well, they look like the, the, their whole team looked like they didn't. They're like, "Come on, coach, we don't want to run this play. We're going to get so hurt." I don't. That's, I mean, that's Dak their tried body it yesterday, language. And, and you're right, House. It was <laughs> arguably didn't get the line of game. But let's not take adva- take take for granted the offensive line too, right? I mean, they've got to have something to do with it. House, House, what do you think? You you got to have strong feelings on this. You want it I mean, outlawed I, immediately, right? I I want all the people whining about it to be outlawed immediately. I just think <laughs> that that there are, you know, so many plays in sports. I said to you guys over text, like if the the best example I can think of is a pitcher that says, I basically have one pitch in my repertoire. You know what's coming. I'm a Roldis Chapman. I'm Nolan Ryan. I'm Greg Maddox. See or if you can hit it. how about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's skyhook? Yeah. Imagine if they tried to outlaw that. Or, yeah, or anybody over seven feet can't dunk. Indefensible. There are certain plays in sports 
that are executed, even when you know that it's coming. And that's what makes it a beautiful thing. And, you know, I think one day we'll find out that whether they keep the play or not keep the play, that the Eagles had mastered it from a combination of offensive line execution and a mammoth of a quarterback who's got tree trunks for legs. Um, I, I think it's dumb to even talk about it. I think it leads to some other gimmick play. If you Sorry, want to call it a gimmick, taking it off the agenda next time. No, no, not. <laughs> I think it's dumb for all these. I, I just, I can't believe like real, like coordinators like Del Rio or other players are. You mean, are you mean real coordinators it. unlike Del Rio? Was <laughs> Del Rio whining about it? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I, I think that the, I think they just have to come up with a better d- defense for this. Like, for example, the three interior defensive linemen need to submarine the offensive linemen, and then the linebackers need to go over the top. And the, and at the same time, maybe the cornerbacks are blitzing, trying to get to the quarterback and get you know like hold on to the quarterback before he gets the push going. By the way, they all the just seem one. to stand there and try to push back against it. Del, Del Rio should be the last one to complain. He's the only team that I that I can see that you know they actually the Eagles fumbled on a on a brotherly right. shove and we recovered it. I mean that's that's about the only time that's happened all year. My my, my brother who was with me, one of my brothers who was with me at the game last night, said his prediction is that the play remains, but it'll be a legal formation for the two people to line up right behind the quarterback and push. Hmm. Um. So well, it'll be I, just be like any other quarterback. It's not going to slow. It's not going to slow Jalen down a whole lot. I don't think. You know. Not you know my much. thought on it. I told you guys earlier. How about you just don't let the Eagles get to third and one, or two? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. you know, it, it's it, look. Tom Brady used to always from the goal line. It was almost unstoppable. His sneaks for whatever reason. I mean, he he was incredibly effective at getting the ball from the one yard line into the end zone, and right. we didn't talk about this. So. Um, well, amazing. We're all in agreement. The entire NFC East representation here is in agreement to back the fuck off of the Eagles on this one. There we go. Uh, yeah. Toby, wow. don't say we don't ever support. Wow. Right. Yes. That's right. Team. That's brotherly love right. for the That's brotherly right. shove. Hey, for, really without, without, looking, shove. without looking, guys, if you had to guess who has the longest winning streak in the NFL right now? Um, the Bengals. Jags. I'm going to oh. go with the. Jags, five straight. The London no, Jags, the Tottenham yeah. Jags, Tottenham Jags. <laughs> Tottenham Jags. They've won five straight, <laughs> followed by the Ravens and Bengals at four straight. All right. Well, I guess we got to do some uh, locks here, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we have one from Milk. He is going to take. Wait. wait, wait how wait, did we, we do last week? Last week. Oh, Rooster has that. Oh, really? Okay, so last week, uh, here we go. Last week. All right. And in an interesting game, Milk took the Bucks and House took the Texans minus three. And, of course, the Texans won by two, right? Were the Texans minus three or was it the Bucks minus three away? I think the Texans were minus three, but I could be wrong about that. Let me double check that. Uh, yeah, Houston. Yeah, so actually, he won. He won. You you nope. lost. I lost. Yep. I'll take the victory. I won fifty bucks off of milk. 
All right. Bison. Milk money. Nothing like it. Bison won convincingly, taking the Browns over the Cardinals minus seven. I think I got a uh, a tie. Who'd you I have? Had, I had the Saints minus seven against the Bears. And push. It was a push. push. So I'm so I'm tied. Wow. I have a tie on my record. Nice. Oh, uh, Bison loves are, a tie. Yeah, oh, where's yeah. Pope? Took the Falcons minus four and a half over the Vikings, so he lost. Oops. And in a in a Josh Dobbs phenomenal game for a guy who just basically walked onto the team. Uh, that's everyone, right? Yeah. But, but yeah. Th- by the way, th- those are some other hilarious stories. Josh Dobbs didn't even know the players on his team. Right. He he he, he, he not rep. He hadn't taken a rep. He once the guy got hurt, he had to assemble the offensive line and had to start practicing his cadence with the whole uh, offensive line on the sidelines before he went in the game. <laughs> he had never taken a rep with the team before. How does that happen? So milk stays uh, in the lead, followed by uh, me, and then House, then Pope, then Bison. So let's go right, to week milk- ten. Milk is taking uh, the Jaguars getting three at home from the 49ers. The Jaguars Ooh. plus three. It's a good game. And I am going to stay with the Texans getting, <laughs> getting I'm staying with the Texans getting seven on the road at the Bengals who are likely to be down one Jamar Chase. And what happened to him? Oh, was he hurt last night? Yeah, his back is bothering him. He's, I think he's going to be at at least a game. I think the Texans with CJ Stroud playing relatively at home in Cincinnati is going to be, I think they're going to show up. Texans are on the road. Yeah. At the Bengals. At the Bengals. Yeah. Okay. He's taking the points. All right. Okay. Pope, are you willing to go minus 16 and a half Cowboys against the Giants? Is that is that the biggest line of the year? Yeah. Oh, yes. my God. I, th- I think that, they're going to cover. I, I don't think I, it's big that's enough. A sucker. That's a sucker line. The Giants a, always play Dallas tough. At, in it's Dallas. Always. Always. No, I, uh, I'm i not going there. Uh, I'm going to ride the Saints wagon and give me uh, the Saints at the Vikings. I'll take the... Uh, giving the two and a half. That's a good one. I'm going to take the Colts giving two at New England. Okay. It's minus two at Pats. All right. I think I am going to take the Falcons minus two at the Cardinals. That's good. Cardinals. Although they're start, although they're playing Kyler this week, and the Falcons are starting the legend Taylor Heineke. Did he earn another start? Yeah, they're going to reevaluate after the bye. Hey, just one last thing on NFL before we we move on here. There are some fairly significant injuries. Um, yes, this week, right? Yeah. Yes. Did I see Cam Akers towards Achilles? A- towards Achilles. Dimes. And then Danny Dimes with an ACL and Goddard with a broken arm. Broken forearm, yeah. 
those are those are all you know very significant, significant in some regard uh different different ways significant but I think I think Danny Dimes injury could have a major uh, impact on the draft. Yeah, I mean, to me, it was a done deal that we were taking another offensive lineman, maybe a wide receiver first, but I could see us taking a quarterback now. I mean, he's going to be out till November next year at the earliest, right? I mean, yeah, it's not, yeah. It's not it just horrible. He was season. horrible this year, right? Yeah, I think we should actually. I think the Giants should tra- trade Danny Dimes and Saquon at this point. For whatever draft capital they can get and start over, they're no, a offseason. They're a huge mess. Yeah. All right. Anything else on the NFL? That's All it. right, Pope. Bask in your glory. Two series in three years. Congratulations. Let's hear about <laughs> it. <laughs> for you listeners out there, <laughs> uh, obviously, I have declared uh, my loyalty to the Atlanta Braves because of the way uh, my dad took me to the Braves games growing up. And it was important to me that we got another world series while my dad was alive. But my heart has been, you're going, you're going, my heart. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Can you, can you explain to us about your dad taking you to his favorite Auburn Tigers games and how that worked? By the way, that never happened and never would have happened. But anyway, (laughs) My heart has been with the Rangers since 1985 when I was a freshman at SMU and would go out to the old, old ballpark, uh, sit out in the bleachers uh, and have a good old time eating peanuts and Cracker Jack and realizing that we had one of the worst franchises in the Major League Baseball and probably would never sniff a World Series, let alone the playoffs. But over time. They finally got to the point where in 2011, they were one strike away twice. The the PTSD moment that triggers us <laughs> like no other. Uh, finally, the, the curse was reversed uh, and we got a World Series title this week. Um, an amazing performance by guys that, you know, I predicted they, they would get zero playoff wins. That's how confident I was going in. They almost almost missed the playoffs. If they hadn't won one of the four games against Seattle, they would have missed the playoffs. It was that close. And they were playing really bad and they go on the road and they just, they found themselves in a way that no other team has on the road because they won every road game. They are 11 and 0 on the road. I mean, I guess it could be, it could be matched. It won't be topped. Uh, First time it's ever happened. Um, they found strength on the road that they couldn't find at home. They did not play well at home, but it didn't matter when they won every game on the road. Um, their bullpen came through in a way that we wouldn't have expected. They were the first World Series team to ever have uh, a bullpen that was under, you know, that given up more uh, opportunities than wins in the, in the regular season. Uh, we thought that would be their their final uh, problem was a bullpen and they, they were able to turn that around. Nathan Evaldi was the, the stud pitcher five and O uh, including the uh, game six game five of the world series in which uh, gallon for uh, Arizona had a perfect game through six innings, but uh, uh, the Rangers finally poured it on and they didn't have stress in the ninth. And that was good for my heart, everybody else's heart. So Bruce Bochy comes over out of retirement says, I'm not here. Uh, to lose i'm not here to wait around we're here to win and in the first year he takes them for the first franchise world series and congratulations to the guys it it was a good sports cry here in uh, texas and um 
look forward to uh, just reveling in it and enjoying a little bit longer. So two quick comments on that. Number one, you you got to mention the performance of Corey Seager. Of course. Every time he stepped up to the plate, it seemed like he he made a difference uh, in the game. It was just unbelievable. But I do want to get you on record on something you said. You said that you were you declared your loyalty to the Braves to get one more World Series for your dad. Now that you had that one more World Series two years ago, are you done with the Braves? Or is I would that have been want one more. Well, now? here's here's the answer. I would have been I would have been for the Rangers over the Braves in the, this World Series. Isn't that all you need to know? No, no, that no, doesn't no, answer no. the question. question was a that doesn't answer I'm the question. not I'm not Doctor. against the Braves. I don't want the Braves to lose. So I don't know how to answer your question. Are they your team if they win the World Series next year over the Astros? No, no, the Rangers are my team. Okay, if it's, and they have if been it's the Braves versus the Rangers. I'm Rangers all the way. Not, I think that's a legitimate answer. Although we all know the truth is he will be referring to them as my Braves at some point next year. <laughs> are you kidding? Here's the thing. My Dodgers. Here's the thing. I, the the Rangers. My Orioles. The yeah. Rangers particularly the playoff Rangers, the Rangers were the best team. I think they would have beaten anybody. That's how well they were playing. Their pitching came together. Their hitting came together. It's hard for me to follow the narrative of like the long suffering Rangers, because it's not like year after year, they're knocking on the door to the credit of their ownership. They went out and they bought some incredible free agents. They have the number four, uh, you know, salaries, you know, um, in the, in the major. Yeah. When they went out and got Seager and Simeon, that was the turning, but the turning point, the counterpoint to that though, is they went out and they spent a shitload of money on players like Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer. And they won the world series without the benefit of deGrom and kind of virtually mostly without Scherzer. Yeah, Scherzer I mean, it's amazing that the they their pitching staff pulled it together absent those two guys. Well, I, I would mean, say I, as I an afterthought that I do remember Pope being really pretty down when DeGrom was out for the year yeah. because it just felt like a lost season. The, yeah, that looked to me like a, the typical Yankees investment yeah. in an aging pitcher who who had a great year two years ago and then joins the Yankees, gets paid and spends the year on the on the IL. Yeah. And you know, they doubled down by going to get Max because after after DeGrom was out, but the the trade that uh really went by at the time nobody really paid much attention to it was getting uh Jordan Montgomery. I mean, without him we would not yeah. have been God, that was a great pickup. Great pickup. I mean, it was it you know, Evaldi and Montgomery, I mean, we had a two-man rotation. And, yeah. and Max was not, you know, close to where he was. And then bullpen by committee uh, for the for whatever your fourth starter was. Eovaldi's career looked like it was over when he was on the Red Sox. We said well, two Tommy congratulations John. to the Rangers. Um, Ninety-seven days till spring training starts. And uh, can't wait. Uh, one one quick caveat because my dad is like one of our biggest listeners. I'm not saying that I only wanted one series before. Uh, I hope the Braves win as many more as you want them to, but you have to understand that now the Rangers are my team. And go Auburn. Uh, yeah. By the way, <laughs> okay. let's the big 
in the next 97 days, all eyes will be on where does Mr. Otani oh, land. Yes. Yeah. All right. We we love you, Papa Pope. Uh, let's move <laughs> on. House, let's talk a little college basketball and everything that matters. So talk Big East and we don't need to do anything else. Well, the Big East is going to dominate again this year. I mean, they're stacked um, between, you know, Marquette and Creighton, UConn. Um, I think Villanova will be better. But talk about finding postseason lightning in a bottle the way the Rangers did. That's what UConn did last year. And uh, they are the defending champs. Uh, However, they're going to have a really tough time returning to the top. I think the. Why do you say that? Well, they lost. Four of their team is still there. No. No. The three best. Come on. Two best players left. Two best players left. They still have Tristan Newton, Alex Carabon, and the Klingon. We're going to get to that. I think the. College basketball season, the way I looked at it, splits into the returners, the transfers, and the one and dones. So who are who are the teams that have the returners? Well, kind of remarkably, after the heartbreak of bowing out to Fairleigh Dickinson, <laughs> Purdue. Zach Eady, who destroyed college basketball last year, and everybody thought everybody had him, not everybody, but a lot, a lot, a lot of people had them in their final four. Uh, that was a shock. And so Edie's not done with college basketball yet. And I think he's such a dominant force that you have to believe that Purdue is going to be in the mix. Will they fail out again? Maybe. But that's one of the returning teams. I think Duke got a real surprise when they got their freshman of the year, ACC freshman of the year, Filipowski, Kyle, Kyle Filipowski, who probably – Easily could have been in, in many years a one and done. He returns. And I think that's a big deal when you get a returning freshman of the year from, from the ACC and other players return for Duke. So I think that team will be tough. And yes, uh, the question is about UConn. Is Donovan Klingon enough? The guy last year, his stats were crazy. He was basically 21 and 17 off the bench. As he, wasn't a freshman. Really, he wasn't really a starter. Um, and so Rooster, I guess one of the questions is, can that team play around him as the glue, as the guy on UConn? I think so. I, he reminds me of the, uh, the dude from Gonzaga who, who got drafted first and then hurt his foot and is now playing again in the NBA. Who's who is that guy? The seven foot something guy. Oh, oh. Holmgren. Chet. Oh, Chet. Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren. Reminds me of him. He's got the height. He's got the moves. He's he's coordinated. I mean, he's no Wemby, but he's he's pretty damn good. I think he's a step up offensively from um, uh, what's his name, Sonoma, Sonoma or whatever his name was. Right. So that yeah. you got you you, you so got, no got Marquette's got Marquette has eighty five percent of their their minutes returning. Marquette's returning too. So you, and yeah. and I mean and, they're the next tier, I would say. Creighton Creighton has returners and FAU has returners, but I think what the do you mean real, the next tier. I think Kansas Duke 
Uh, yeah, Kansas and Duke are tough. Yeah, we haven't talked yeah, about Kansas yet. Purdue I think Marquette's and, a top five. And maybe Michigan State. Season. Well, Kansas, yeah, I want to get to those teams because Kansas I have in my group of those teams that are going to be bolstered massively by transfers. Yeah. I think Hunter Dickinson was a monster for Michigan. It's one of the biggest transfers we've seen in college basketball before. Uh, the rich get richer, and I think he's the perfect player for that team. And Nick Timberlake and, came over Yeah, too. So I think that Kansas team has used the portal perfectly and are going to be a tough out to beat. And so did, so did Arizona, which already had uh, a pretty good team to start and picked up Caleb Love from Pope's Tar Heels. Good luck. Well, I think he's no, still... I mean, I, I, I'm rooting for Caleb. It'll be, it'll be interesting with the change of scenery. Um, does he, does he have a new attitude this year? Uh, because, Last year, you know, was uh, obviously a disaster from his perspective uh, and the team's perspective. Um, I think backcourt play is what carries in the postseason in the NCAA, and Arizona yeah. has a pretty deadly backcourt now with Boswell and Love. So I, what, a, what about think, Milk's team, FAU? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they, they were thirty-five and four last year. They're preseason ranked number 10 and returning yeah. most everybody. They're an incredibly athletic team. And I don't think anyone – their biggest problem is that no one's going to take them lightly at all. They're going to play with a bullseye on their back this year. Uh, but they're still in a lighter conference. They're going to have a schedule that results in them having 25 to 30 wins, and they'll have a high seed. We'll see what they can do with it. I, I'm interested to see what the group of what I call the one-and-dones. Um, Kentucky this year has – kind of a modern version of a fab five. They've got five freshmen coming in, four of which were McDonald All-Americans um, headed up by uh, DJ Wagner. And that team, if they can get them all playing together and gelling quickly, I mean, you know, you're going to see these guys all playing in the NBA. The question is, can they play in this one year together? And the same goes for, for Michigan state, which had the number five recruiting class adding to uh, you know, a pretty good team that uh, includes, you know, some returning players like Cone Carr and Tyson Walker. So I don't know. Uh, Izzo can coach. Calipari can coach. I, I think it's going to be really interesting for, from my perspective to see that kind of group of the one and dones versus the transfers versus the returners who can, who can really carry it. Crazy. So who was preseason number one last year? Uh, I, I'm guessing it was, wait, well, not last year, last year, was, was it UNC? Was that the UNC? They okay, fell that, quickly uh, though. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. And so, uh, I was reading Billis today and he said, you know, Carolina was probably overrated because of what they did at the end of the year before when they went to the championship 15 minutes, you know, they were up by 15 points at half against Kansas in the championship game and lost. And then they were probably underrated, this year, because I don't know if you guys have been watching, but Carolina has put together a pretty good team. We'll find out if Hubert can coach this year. Baycott's back. R.J. Davis is back. They got a superstar, five-star uh, quarterback, point guard, Elliot Cadeau, who's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then they got some transfers who came in. Uh, Cormac Ryan, who's a sharpshooter from Notre Dame, and Harrison Ingram from uh, Stanford. So, you know, I, I have well, no idea that. what 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 other, the season holds but it'll be interesting to watch other than that do you agree i mean it's it's not a really 
good-looking year for the ACC. Agreed. I mean, look, Miami went to the Final Four last year, and they're, what, preseason 13? I mean, they just got on an amazing roll. Yeah. I also feel like Calipari's time has come and gone. I don't know why I feel that way. He just doesn't seem to be pulling it off with the one-and-done lineups anymore. Well, I think it's harder to because with NIL, you got some returning players who are going who would otherwise gone to the NBA, which makes you know more veteran leadership. Those teams are going to beat the one and dones usually in a head to head during tournament time. I just think it's such a weird. You know, I, I've talked about how the NBA. You know, when the NBA season starts, you never know what a team's going to look like because of all the buyouts and the. And, you know, trades and buyouts and guys become free agents and decide where they want to go and all that shit. And now with college hoops, it, it's it's similar with the transfer portal. I mean, I, I feel like the entire Georgetown team that I follow, I mean, granted, there hasn't been much to follow the last couple of years. But, you know, there were some good guys on there. They had that run to the to the and won the uh, the Big East tournament two years ago and. I, I got. I don't know anybody on the team. I look at the roster and I'm like, who are these people? It, it just feels like teams turn over, you know, not just one and done. Just the transfer portal is so influential yeah. at this point. Who's your so coach now? The Nils will get people to to stay. Ed Cooley, uh, guy from Providence. See, I think that I think- makes a big difference too. I mean, I really, I know I'm a homer, but Dan Hurley is is a is a huge asset for UConn. Huge, sure. I think we should enjoy this college basketball season because I think we're down to the last couple of years before we see some massive change that will come about from the conference, you know, collapsing into two or three or four mega conferences. I think it's going to change the postseason tournament. I don't, you know, we'll see what happens, but I think college basketball is still the best sporting spectacle we've got come march and i'm excited about this year is this is that guy from gonzaga timmy is he uh he's finally gone where is he now is he in europe or is he on the bench somewhere in the nba he's retired in florida he's 72 <laughs> years old right i mean he's got to be close to retirement age he's he? selling insurance i think, I think he's, he's coaching yeah. barca he's the he's the modern day walter berry the guy who spent 10 years at st john's oh god yeah just died recently too. Rest Speaking of did he really? Jones, yes. We did. We didn't talk about the return of Patino. Yeah, Patino. Right? Yeah. What's going to yeah. happen there? More cheating. There's, there's the Big East is going to be fun. Uh, I'd say the it cocktail waitresses needing to look out. <laughs> oh boy! Okay. All right. Um, listen, let's get, get to a couple more things we want to touch on. This could arguably go into the category of a punchable face, but I, I just want to have a quick chat on it. There is a a clip going around. Um, I don't. I think Milk boarded it today of a a high school coach in Tampa. Um, a defensive lineman comes running off the field. It's a high school game. Comes running off the field. Obviously, wasn't supposed to be out there. Probably was going to get a penalty. And on his way exiting the field, his coach or a coach steps out to meet him. In plain view of the whole stadium. Yeah, and and I mean, if there was ever a, a, a visual for whooped upside the head, that is exactly what this was. I couldn't tell if it was closed fist to the helmet or if it was an open palm smack to the helmet. 
uh, I, I kind of I blew it up and watched it as much as I as, as large of a <laughs> video as I could to see. Like the Zapruder film. Well, it seemed to me that it was open fist smack on the helmet, um, but it's really hard to tell. And the guy was fired. I guess the 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 discussion point here is is that part of the excitement of football? And you know, coaches get in your face and scream at you in, in football, or is this crossing the line? Way crossing the line. He struck the kid in anger. It wasn't a teaching moment. It wasn't tough love. It wasn't, hey, I'm a emotional coach. I'm screaming in your face because I want you to learn something. He struck this kid in anger. And I'm I'm telling you, he I don't know why the kid's family didn't come out of the stands and punch the coach. It, it was disgraceful. I mean, Rooster, you had kids play high school football, right? I, I played high school football. My coaches were brutal. They they would they would put you through drills if they thought you need to learn a lesson that would that are illegal today. But they, they never swung at me in anger. What would you have done if you had been in the stands and those were that was your kid? I would have come out of the stands, honestly. I would have I would have confronted that coach. There's no place for that in sports and there's and he humiliated the kid because he met him about 10 yards off the sideline where everyone could see it. So not only did he punch this kid in anger, he demoralized him. I mean, I don't know how the kid gets over that in terms of respect from his teammates and everything else. I think uh the dividing line is it's a high school kid not to excuse that kind of behavior in the college or pros, but it's these are now closer to grown men. Uh, you know, we're not talking about, okay. Yeah. I know. I know that this is high level football down in Florida and Jesuits like, or whatever it's called, you know, it's, it's a very good school. So I I'm sure it's at a higher level, but still it's a kid. This kid's likely 16, 17, 18 years old. Like rooster said, Besides all the emotional issues he's going to have dealing with the fact that it's being played on Twitter every and the fact that people are debating, was it okay for the coach to do it? Like, you just don't want to be the subject of that. And uh, it wasn't necessary. The coach was obviously feeling pressure and embarrassed about whatever was happening on the game. He took it out on a player. Yeah, I think, Rooster, I think you you uh, you you're right on when you say it was an anger. It was a swing in anger. Um, I don't know that I agree with you about him chewing the kid out in front of the rest of the team. I mean, I, I think football is that kind of game where you get chewed out. You get chewed out during the game. You get chewed out in the huddle. You get chewed out in films, film study on Monday. I don't have a problem with him meeting the kid and yelling at him. But I, I think you're spot on with, you know, he reacted out of control. Yeah. My point was that the out of control, which looks looked to me like a right cross to the head, yeah, occurred in plain sight of everyone. I don't think there was a lot of discussion going on. I don't think he was even screaming anything at the kid like, hey, why were you out there? He just walked out and tried to punch him in the head. So what's the yeah. point of that? Well, he got fired, and I think that's the right outcome. I mean, I, I was I was sort of teasing with you guys on text, maybe – maybe egged on by uh, somebody who posted the video initially. Uh, but no, I don't, I don't think that's okay. Um, after, did I, you see after Brian, after Evan Neal jumped off sides on, on the giants attempt at a tush push, he comes running off the field and Dayball beats him and goes, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, he didn't even try to put his hands on a grown man. And by the way, those guys are those guys are kids too. Quite honestly, they're just yeah. getting paid a lot of money. Yeah. So, all right, who's got a punchable face? Don't call it a comeback. Probably shouldn't. Probably I, I, shouldn't follow that segment up with a punchable face. Yeah, we'll, I, and we'll that, put that the video. The, we'll, we'll put the video on our social media so our listeners can judge for themselves. Yeah, that's a good one. Weigh in on that. Let's move yeah, to don't, our. Don't don't put this next video on the social media sites for this punch. Uh, we, I don't think it's come up on the pod yet, but we talked about it a little bit by text, this hockey player in England who used to be in the NHL, who, who died on the ice and the punch goes, this guy named Matt, I think it's Matt Hetgrave or Matt Pelgrave. He's a, a goon enforcer, which is fine. That's part of hockey in the, I didn't even realize that there was like a British hockey league. And uh, this guy, Adam Johnson, who was like an also ran type of player for the Penguins, moved over to England, is playing for one of their teams. And when you see the video, it's it's hard not to see this as some, anything other than criminal because he he leaves the ice. He lifts his skate up. He knows it's going to go up high on the opponent's body this Pelgrave guy, and it literally slices Johnson across the neck and he bleeds out on the ice. And uh, I just, I, 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 when I, I've seen the video a few times, it's tough to watch. I cannot believe that happens in any sport. Like, I mean, that doesn't happen like almost in anything other than like a prison league. This crazy. And, uh, I think the only suitable punchable face for this guy is every dime he ever earns again in sports should go to that guy's family and and probably some type of criminal punishment. Yeah, I he really needs to feel go that to way. Jail for that. The Penguins all wore um neck guards in practice after seeing that. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy. That's my punch. Anybody else got a punch? All right. How about a lasso? Do we have a lasso? I got one. Yes. Okay, All right, Pope. Right. Uh, continuing with the theme uh, of the World Series championship, uh, Nathaniel Lowe, um, our uh, our first baseman, and uh, he has a brother, Josh Lowe, who's outfielder for the Rays, uh, found out earlier this year before the playoffs that their mother had been diagnosed with a glioblastoma, which, as we know, guys, is pretty much a death sentence. Um, and just started her first uh, round of chemo during the playoffs. And so um, both of those guys, you know, they were in the first round together. They were playing with a heavy heart. Uh, and then after the World Series championship, Nathaniel did uh, uh, on Fox that's uh, it, made, the you know, kind of viral down here. He did a, um, a tribute to his mom saying he was thinking about her and hoping that, you know, she and wasn't able to make it, but enjoyed it and um, was wishing her well through her first round of chemo. But most likely, the odds are, statistics are, that mom won't be around for the, even maybe even the beginning of spring training. So it was a great moment in sports for Nathaniel to be able to get a World Series as mom was able to see. All right, let's do buzzer beaters. Who's got a buzzer beer for us? Well, My, go ahead. You go. 
Well, we did talk about NCAA football, so I kind of do that as my buzzer beater now, if, unless it's something big. Um, you have a big group of one-loss teams that are all fighting for potentially one or two slots in the college football playoffs. Texas somehow survived uh, in overtime against K-State. Should have lost that game. Uh, fourth, fourth down decisions. Uh, we can talk about it in pod some other time and during overtime. And then uh, Alabama, you know, kind of flexes muscle against LSU uh, to uh, kind of put their foot out there. And then you've got Oregon, who barely lost to Washington. They probably will get a rematch, assuming they can go through the Pac-12 undefeated. Um, Ole Miss. You got to talk about the or the Washington USC shootout, though. That was amazing. Wow, it was it was quite a game. Uh, you know, I guess the the most memorable thing from that game is going to be Caleb Williams jumping up into the stands uh, with his uh, parents crying because you know he it was the end of the dream for him, assuming he goes pro and gets a piece of the ownership. Um, biggest game this week is Ole Miss, who does only have one loss to Alabama. Uh, at Georgia, we'll once again see if Georgia uh, can be exposed. Missouri had them uh, for a little while, you know, in, in trouble. So we'll see how Georgia fares. Um, we're we're heading towards, you know, the big games that'll decide our college football playoff. Penn State uh, is hosting, I think, Michigan this week. That'll also be another big game. I think the whisper campaign against Caleb Williams is unfair. Um, Agree. His- his their 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 likelihood of getting into a playoff is nil. He's still playing his ass off. He's still leading the team. Uh, he's amazing. His skills are amazing. And so and and I'll get, I have to shout out to Milk. He was dead right about Penix. That guy yeah. is also amazing. Yeah, I wouldn't take any other quarterback above Caleb Williams. If I had the number one pick, that's the guy I want. So I you know whatever whisper campaign is out there, it's not going to affect his draft status. I he's denied requiring a percentage ownership in in any team that drafts him. That's a ridiculous yes. request, and he did not make it. I don't believe. Uh, my Caleb buzzer Williams beater from from where? By the way, guess somewhere in DC. Georgetown Prep. Shit, I don't know. No, I, unfortunately, our our hated rival Gonzaga. Oh, but a, a, a Washington DC high school product. My buzzer beater is because we didn't take enough time to talk about him during our NBA preview, but we've already seen in the five or six games that have happened so far that Wemby mania is for real. This guy, he scored 38 points in one of the two games in which San Antonio Spurs beat the Phoenix Suns twice. The KD Booker, you know, Beal Suns with this team of exciting team of Zach Collins and Devin Vessel and Jeremy Sochan and, and, uh, and Wemby, but Wemby is for real. He's a top five defender already in the league. He's probably a top 10 player. He's played five or six NBA games. And you, when you have the Spurs come into your city now, you want to get a ticket. That's cool. Yeah, yeah it is. It's it stay is. healthy, Wemby. Stay healthy. Anybody yeah. got anything else? Yeah, my my buzzer beater is I'm I'm looking at three guys in the NBA besides Wemby who I'm really interested in seeing how they do this year. One of them is um, houses guy Tyrese Maxey. I think the Sixers playing better without Harden on the team. Slow, Free Tyrese, he's clogging he's up. He's, they're not Stunning clogging up the offense. He's Tyrese, free. 
Tyrese was a 20 plus point per game guy last year. I think he's playing better this year without the fat guy in his way. <laughs> and uh, I also want to see how Cade Cunningham does this year after being hurt last oh, year. Yeah. That team has accumulated some super young talent. And if Cade Cunningham can play like he started out last year at 20 points a game before he got hurt, that's a damn good team. I mean, they got Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran. Osar Thompson now from last pick, last draft. Uh, that could be a really exciting team. That could be the, the NBA's Houston Texans. And I really would love to see how Bradley Beal does on the Suns. The guy just never stays healthy. I don't think he's played more than 60 games in the last five years in any one season. But if he does, that could be fun to watch. So those three guys, along with Drew Holiday, is already showing he and, he and uh, Porzingis already shown how what they can do on the Celtics. It'll be fun to watch. All right. And I am going to go without a buzzer beater and let everyone get out of here tonight. Hey, guys, good show. Go Hoyas. First game tomorrow night. Tickets are free. Anybody who wants to go. The SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.